I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast, Discover North Korea. This is episode six, and I am Zoe, and I will be taking you through this episode all about getting into North Korea. So this episode is not going to be about being inside North Korea so much, but rather how we get there, and more specifically, the train and the plane to North Korea. Those are the two main ways that anyone gets into North Korea, and we will be discussing that throughout this show. I'm also going to go over some things like what the experience is like on each of these, as well as the pros and cons of taking each of these, um, what the customs experience is like, and at the end, if we have time, I'm also going to talk about how to prepare for the train because that is um, a bit of a long journey. Um, and also have a look at some other methods, not just plane and train, you can actually um, drive over the border. But first, I want to say a big thank you for coming back to the podcast once again. Um, this is episode six, so it has survived at least this long. Um, it means we're kind of two months in, I suppose. And I have to say, um, whilst I'm still making videos, I don't know if um, you have been keeping up with those on YouTube, I have been concentrating more on Taiwan stuff at the moment, just trying it, getting it out there. Um, if you have any feedback on it, let me know. I will be producing more North Korea and more DPRK videos as well as we go along, but I have a backlog of tons of Taiwan places and stuff that I've been, been to some really interesting places and most recently to Jinmen, which gave me a lot of comparisons, weirdly enough, with North Korea, you know, it's, um, it's a place located right next to mainland China, it's just, you know, two kilometers away, away at its closest point, um, and, uh, there's, there's a lot of similarities, I have to say, um, including things like, massive speakers that blast propaganda music over the borders and you know things like this and so 
That was a really interesting one if you do want to go and check out the video. I, I at least would recommend it. Um, and if you have any feedback, do let me know. So I've been busy with the videos, but uh, I have to say with the podcast, I am really enjoying having not the restraints of an algorithm that tells me I can only have like, you know, people only have the concentration span of like a, a 10 to under 20 minute video. Um, although I may, may blabber on a lot and I'm not too fussed with cutting out all the ums and ahs. Um, <laughs> there's another one. I hope at least that these hour-long podcasts um, kind of stay with you throughout the day, whatever you're doing. I know um, I like to listen to podcasts when I'm running or getting on public transport. So I hope you're having a good day, whatever you are up to. And I'm going to stop blabbering on. So before we start, I'll get there in a second, just want to say, follow me on social media, do all those things. Uh, and if you do like this podcast, like I said, don't know how long this is going to last for. Uh, let's see. But if you do like it and want to keep it going, then give me a message, let me know, like it, rate it, do whatever you can, share it with your friends, um, whatever you want to do. Uh, but if you don't do any of those things and no one talks to me about the podcast, then chances are probably won't carry it on. So yes, please do the things. <laughs> you can find me on any platform on at Zoe Discovers or at Zoe Discovers NK. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I think that's it. Did I say Instagram? Yeah. Uh, you can find me on all those on at Zoe Discovers. I do more up-to-date stuff and Taiwan and at Zoe Discovers NK is purely on North Korea stuff. So now, without further ado, let's really start this podcast. So I mentioned at the very, very start that we're mainly talking about the train and taking the plane to North Korea. Why those two? Well, that's because these are the main two ways to get into North Korea. There are generally only these two options. Although you do have others which we'll cover later, um, but these are, yeah, the two standard ones. And generally, um, it will be the same train and the same flight. And that would be the train from either Dandong in China or Beijing in China. And the flight is also generally from Beijing or back to Beijing, although there are a lot more options with the flight, which again we will talk about in a bit. The train from Dandong or Beijing into North Korea works like this. So the reason I say Beijing or Dandong is because basically Dandong is in the north of China and it is situated, you can see North Korea from Dandong. Basically the journey starts in Beijing, usually. So you'll get the overnight train from Beijing to Dandong. And then from Dandong, then you'll go into Sinuiju, which is the North Korean border city. And from there, you'll go into Pyongyang. Now, the reason why I've included these as like two different things is because you don't have to necessarily get the one from Beijing. Um, it's what most people do because we require, um, definitely at Koryo Tours, we require people to have like a pre-tour briefing. And usually that would be in our office in Beijing. Um, and so we start the tours in general in Beijing. Um, and, you know, it's the same with most travel companies, actually. This is like the standard option. But if you happen to be in the north of China already or you know, for some reason it's more convenient for you to get on uh, Dandong, then you can just meet us in Dandong. You can meet your tour leader, whoever, you can meet the group, or if you're going on a private tour, the 
start of your actual journey from China to North Korea does only begin in Dandong. There is also a train that goes straight through from Beijing to Pyongyang, but actually this is like the same train, it's the same train line and everything that stops off in Dandong. The only difference with this one is that the tickets cost more um, and you can't get off the train. So if you have a, uh, if you have a ticket straight through from Pyongyang to Beijing or Beijing to Pyongyang, then you can't get off in the middle. However, this is how the Dandong train works. So it used to be, honestly, my favorite sleeper train journey. And I'll speak way more about the sleeper trains in a minute. But basically, you get on at 5 p.m., around 5 p.m. in the evening um, in Beijing. And then you sleep. And then you wake up at around 6 or 7 and get off in Dandong. Then you have a couple of hours. And then you'll board the train to North Korea, to Sinuiju, which will then take you all the way to Pyongyang. Now I am going to break this journey down into little, little uh, pieces because actually they're all super important and, in my opinion, all super interesting. And I have quite a few anecdotes on them as well. So to go into a little bit more detail. These are Chinese trains that you get from Beijing into Dandong. It may change to a Korean train when you are going from Dandong to Pyongyang. Either way, they're pretty similar. Um, they look very similar. The Korean train, from memory, I think is white or grey and blue. And the Chinese ones, they're, they're, the green, they're the green ones. And these are the slow trains in China. Okay, China is a big country and to get from one place to another does take a long time. There is actually a fast train from... Uh, and to and from Beijing and Dandong. I think it takes four hours, but to be honest, I love this sleeper train. I love this slow train just because it's so practical. The timing is so practical. Obviously, it's way cheaper. You can, you know, if you really didn't want to spend all this time on the train or if you were really against it, there is the option um, of getting a fast train. There is also an option of flying, which we'll chat about in a minute, which is obviously way quicker. Um, but in my opinion, the train is not that bad. It sounds awful, but um, but let's chat about it. So how it works in China when you're getting a train is it's kind of like getting a flight, actually. Uh, you need to have your passport. You need to have your tickets ready. Um, you go through like a ticket gate and then you enter the train station. So without having a ticket, you can't actually enter the train station. You, you can actually buy a platform ticket, but that's a whole different thing. So just basically, generally, you can't enter the train station without having a ticket. After your tickets and passports are checked or ID cards are checked, you'll then go into the train station and have a customs check where you have to put your whole luggage into the, into, you know, into be checked. And then you'll also have a full body scan. And then once you've got through that, then you are ready to kind of find the gate <laughs> where your train is boarding from. And these Chinese train stations, I mean, Beijing is massive. Dandong is a little bit smaller, but still, Dandong is not a small city. Um, it's a small city by China standards, but it's not a small city and the train station is not small. Beijing train station is, honestly, it's like an airport. Um, you have to look at the board to see where your train's boarding from. It's, it's pretty, um, pretty intense. And you're going to be spending a lot of time on this train. So once you're in the train station, you then need to make sure that you have, um, you know, prepared 
prepared quite a few things. And if we have time at the end, I am going to go over, you know, my packing list for the train. But basically, you need to prepare for the fact that you're going to be on the train for the next, I don't know, what is it? 12, 14 hours or so. That sounds awful, right? Honestly, it whizzes by. And I am really not lying when I say that I really enjoy this train journey. And I would know because I have taken it a lot. Maybe I'm just used to it or maybe I just don't mind getting grim and dirty sometimes, you know, but this train is um, is a lot of fun, <laughs> to say the least. It's intense, okay? Um, you know, I there was a point in time, um, I think it must have been like around March or April, that I had spent, in that year, I had spent like an entire week or two just on this train, like literally just on this train, because it pretty much every time you take it, it takes about 24 hours. You are spending a day on the train, give or take, and you can get off once. So, you know, I would absolutely love to make a video on um, on these trains. And it's my biggest regret that I didn't do one before I left China. So, you know, look out for that one when I can get back into North Korea. But for now, all I can take you through is the um, the audio experience. So you get on the train after you've gone through check-in. Um, maybe you want to get some snacks, get them some things ready. Toiletries, wet wipes, toilet paper are an absolute must. After you've got all of this stuff, you'll get then go to your gate and just get ready. I usually have a Starbucks in hand um, <laughs> and, um, and lots of other snacks and stuff like that. When you're getting on the train, it's crazy. Even though everyone has their own ticket and their space, you know? Actually, um, this is how the ticket system works for the trains in China, for those who have never got one before. And again, this is for the slow trains. So you either have a soft sleeper, a hard sleeper, a seated ticket, or a standing ticket. And that is kind of in order of luxury. The soft sleeper is a little room of four beds. You've got one up, one down, and then on the other side, one up, one down. These are like whole separate rooms. They have a door to them and they're pretty swanky. And if you're lucky, they may also contain like a Western toilet in that carriage. The hard sleeper on the other hand does not have separate rooms. It's just one carriage and it's divided into sections. I think it's about 10 sections. And in each section, you have six beds. So that's one, two, three stacked on the other. And then the opposite side, one, two, three stacked on the other. The absolute best bed to have in my opinion, is is the bottom bed. I just love having the bottom bed, although you do sometimes wake up with some random guy sat next to your feet um, on his phone or playing cards with the person next to him. It's it's quite the experience. You do get very friendly on this train journey. Um, but yeah, I prefer to have the, the bottom bed uh, just because of the convenience. The middle bed I really dislike. You've got people walking past you all the time. The top bunk is good, especially if uh, you don't want to be bothered and um, it's good if you don't mind heights because uh, it's high up there. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. It sounds terrifying, right? Six beds to one section and three beds stacked on top of each other. It's It's a lot, eh? But really, it's fine. Like, it's fun. Um, You've got to be prepared for what you're getting yourself in for, but it's an experience in itself. You get on there and everyone's rushing to get on. And so it's, it's, you know, it's a big, massive queue. To be fair, some of them might just have standing tickets um, and seated tickets. 
Um, which I, you know, I briefly mentioned before, but they, they, they are what they say on the tin, right? There's how someone has a seat and someone doesn't have a seat. They're standing. Actually, I got stuck with a standing ticket once for this journey. That was quite the experience because basically what happened was, um, for some reason there was a mess up and, uh, and one customer did not have, <laughs> did not have a ticket for the train. So, um, I stepped up gave my uh, ticket to them and therefore I was stuck with the only ticket left which was a standing ticket. This was kind of a fun experience because I then got to experience how this bit of the train works and I won't bore you with it too much here because you know I find this super interesting but you might not but basically what happens is is you are in this area with hundreds of Chinese all trying to do the same thing that you are and you know speaking Chinese here is an absolute must because you basically have to go and talk to the train conductor and tell him that you want to be in the hard sleeper or in the soft sleeper um, and what you have to do is you have to pretty much wait until someone hasn't got on. So if the, this is if the train is sold out, right? So for example, um, you know, the next stop is in two hours, which is not that long considering you're going to be there for 14 hours, okay? So the next stop is in two hours and you put your name down on a list and then you basically stand around the conductor's area waiting for the possibility of someone that hasn't got on the train and then 10 minutes after you've left that stop then uh, the conductor starts to read down the list okay you know um there are there are now three or four slots so you know the the three or four people on this list can have these seats and if you're lucky enough you will be on those top you know the on the top of the list if you've got to the conductor in time if you're not so lucky you may have to stick around for five or six hours which is definitely what I ended up having to do but hey it was all fun and games and um, got chatting to some quite interesting people now, that doesn't usually happen, so don't worry about that. In fact, it, this train is like, it's like a whole different world. It's so massive that you would never even know that this standing carriage or seating carriage existed, and you would never even know that there was a, that there was a soft sleeper, because we do usually travel on the hard sleeper, and that is generally just, honestly, like, it's fine. Like, for me, I actually prefer the hard sleeper to the soft sleeper. I find it being... It's quite claustrophobic being in a room with other people who you don't know. Obviously, if there's four of you traveling together, or maybe three of you, then it's fine because you are in a room um, of the of people that you know. But if it's just you, then you're in a room of like two or three different random Chinese people. I just find it quite intense. I prefer the open nature of the hard sleepers. So how it works is um, you've got the beds on one side and then you have an alleyway kind of thing, a, a passageway to walk down the... To walk down the train on the other side and here there are also fold down chairs um, and tables so you can like sit at these chairs and tables um, basically for those people that don't have a bed on the ground um, because uh, you know obviously they need somewhere to sit that's not on your bed and uh, maybe they're in the middle or they're in the top um, but also there is a kind of like seating etiquette you know um, on, on the, on the uh, hard sleeper. So generally the etiquette is that if you have the lower bed, then you should um, sit nearest to the window. So nearest to the window on the bed side of the carriage. And then the middle bed person should then also sit in the middle. And this is all on the bottom bed. 
If you have a bottom bed, it kind of sucks actually, because you do have to wait until everyone goes to sleep. Because everyone, all six people, like all three people on each side want to sit on these bottom beds. So then if you have the middle bed, you should then sit in the middle of um, this bed. And then if you have the top bunk, then you should sit to the far right of this bed. I don't know if I'm describing this very well, but basically that's just some little etiquette. You don't really need to worry about it, but it's just a, a fun little anecdote to know. So... We are now on the train from Beijing and we are about to set off to Dandong. Hopefully you're all settled on the train now. You're probably horrified at the toilets, which is, yes, just a hole in the floor. And uh, no, there will be no toilet paper. But hooray, there's a dining cart, so that's always good fun. And also, you're probably smelling some very interesting things as the baijiu, the um, Chinese liquor, starts to be opened. And, um, and the pot noodles are cooking. <laughs> It is, uh, it is, it's all good fun. But at, I think it's either 9 or 10 p.m. I think it's 10 p.m. At 10 p.m., at 9 p.m. things start to wind down because at 10 p.m. the lights go off. Yep, that means the whole train lights go off and you can finally get some shut-eye. You are also expected to be quiet. And honestly, you might not believe it, but everyone on that train is pretty darn respectful. Everyone stays pretty quiet. Um, you do generally get a good night's sleep if you don't mind the gentle rocking of the train, um, you know, slowly rocking you to sleep and sometimes alarming you awake as it grinds to a halt. But um, if you can get used to that, it's fine. And then, after an awesome night's sleep, uh, going to bed at 10pm and then waking up at around 5 or 6 because that's when the lady from the dining cart will come down and start shouting um, which is hot milk and hot soy milk. As Honestly, I can hear that voice in my head still playing over and over. Man, I never thought I'd say I'd miss it. <laughs> anyway, she'll start saying that at about 5 or 6am. It's, it's a beautiful sound to wake up to. But it's okay because you can then enjoy the beautiful sights going out of the window and you will arrive shortly in Dandong. Now, we're still in China. We have not got to North Korea yet, but we have been on the train for about 12 or, what is it, 14 hours. You will be very happy to get off that train. And hurrah, you can. So we now have about an hour or two in Dandong. You will be told by your tour leader or whoever's looking after you, um, you know, kind of what to do. There's a KFC, uh, there's a few places to get cash. Um, there's not much to do in Dandong apart from a massive Mao statue. Uh, right outside the train station, pretty cool. And you can also go down to the river where you can then see North Korea before you're about to enter. So after you've messed around in Dandong a little bit, uh, got your KFC fix, you then head back into Dandong train station where you will then queue up to board the train to North Korea. Now, because you are heading into North Korea, there will be the passport check because you are exiting China. So this is where you get your exit stamp for China already as you are leaving the train station because once you board that train, there is, you know, there's there's no way of getting to anywhere else apart from North Korea. And it is only a 10 minute train journey away before you enter North Korea, before you enter Sinuiju. And then you will stop there for a couple of hours whilst they do a customs check and a passport check of the people on the train. So back in Dandong, um, you need to get all of your passports and visas and stuff like that ready. 
This is also the place where you may, you know, have your first sighting of a North Korean because most likely there will be a lot of North Koreans on the train as well. You know, there, there are people studying abroad, working abroad, and uh, and they'll need to get home at some point too. So you'll probably see a lot of North Koreans. They are pretty easy to note as they probably will be wearing their badges. You then go through passport check, um, and there's a little waiting area. There's a very, very small duty-free place if you need to pick up any, any cigarettes or alcohol or whatever. Um, and then it's a case of getting on the train. Now, <laughs> just a little anecdote here. Um, I have done this a lot. I've been to this, um, you know, passport area a lot. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned this publicly. Maybe I mentioned it on the second episode where I talked about, um, you know, kind of where all this came from for me, like how I started to get into the industry. Um, and... Uh, there was a point in my life for about three months when I was pretty social media famous in China. Very, very strange. And by pretty, I mean like, you know, a few million followers. Um, it was a very strange and brief period in my life. But it was during this period that um, I was going in and out of North Korea a lot. And the um, the passport officer stopped me one day and called me by my Chinese name. And I, I you know, I just said to him, hey, like, you know, didn't think anything of it. And then I went through passport control and thought, I've never told him my Chinese name. And it's obviously not my passport. I turned back and I was like, how did you know my Chinese name? And he said, oh, I saw you on TikTok. <laughs> Actually, it's Douyin. It's the Chinese version of TikTok, uh, but it's the same thing. So I was like, man, the passport officer knows me. <laughs> And uh, it's this passport area that you need to make sure that you have a double entry visa into China, at least a double entry visa into China. It can be multiple, but you are exiting China here and going into North Korea. If you don't have, if you only have a single entry visa to China, then there is no possibility for you to go to North Korea because you can't get back. Actually, I have had to turn back people here before right at the train station in Dandong, I've had to turn back people and say, I'm sorry, you can't come to North Korea. It sucks. Um, so yeah, if you do take the train option, then do uh, make sure that you get the right visa. Um, and then you are all ready to board the train. Now, just before we do, I have one more anecdote um, that is <laughs> amuses me to still today, to this day. Um, so I speak Chinese, right? Um, I, but I didn't speak it absolutely so well back then. I spoke it enough to get by. Luckily, because one of the customers, one of the tourists that I was taking in, he had overstayed his Chinese visa by a day. This was basically because he hadn't factored in the fact that the train is overnight. You know, he just basically factored in, oh, okay, we're leaving on this day. Um, you know, that's when I'm entering North Korea. So he ended up overstaying his Chinese visa, which, you know, in any country it's a big thing, but in China it's it's a, it's an absolute massive thing. So the passport people they um they they call me over and they say, hey, we've got a problem, and I'm like, oh no, what is it? It's never a good thing. <laughs> um, and they explain the situation to me, and you know they explain how serious it is, and that you know they want to basically detain him and uh yeah it's basically they explained that it's kind of like a, a crime against the country and so I you know I was like okay how can we work around this and they said that they would need to go and get a professional translator and they would also need to go and get the local police um, and I said, okay, I can speak Chinese. And they said, okay, you can be the professional translator. 
And um, they did still need to get the local police. So they went to get the local police. And now we've got a train to catch, right? Um, and it's, you know, I kind of have a whole group that I need to look after. So I was very torn between uh, going to North Korea with my group or looking after this guy who was, you know, potentially about to get detained. So, um, basically, I made sure that the train wasn't going to leave. Little did I know that uh, the that it, this would take us about over an hour, maybe two hours, I can't remember. We held, for two hours, we held up the entire train. And it's a massive train. I'm not just talking about a little train. Like, uh, it's, it's a massive train. Hundreds of people. And we held them all up. Because basically what we had to do was um, that we had to wait for the local police to come. And then we had to... I had to translate this document um, saying, you know, promising that he'd never do it again, that he's very sorry, stuff like that, and then he had to sign it, and then it all had to be recorded. Um, it, it was this massive, massive thing, and I, actually, I'm just super grateful that we could do it in the train station, and we could just do it there and then, and that it did only take an hour or two. I say that's a long time. It's a long time to hold up an entire train just for two people, but in the long run, you know, it is quite a short time to get all of that sorted. Um... So anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my, my friends, like the people on the train were all calling me like, what is going on? Everyone was wondering what on earth is going on. Um, the, the North Koreans on the train, I'm sure, were very annoyed that we'd held up the train for two hours. Um, in the end, uh, we did the walk of shame. <laughs> me and this guy did the walk of shame onto the train and, uh, and the train got going and uh, the train conductor, I know him as well. I've seen him so many times. So he was like, what on earth were you doing? It, it was all, it was all in jest in the end. So all good. We got on the train. It was fine. Now you are finally on the train to North Korea, but you're only going to ride this for 10 minutes, um, until you have another break. So you basically cross over the bridge from Dandong to Sinuiju and hey presto, you're in North Korea. Now this is where a lot of people get very scared because this is where you're sat for two hours. You have no phone signal, most likely, although if you are at the back of the train closer to China, you may still have some phone signal. And what happens here is that everyone's passports need to be checked and everyone's luggage needs to be checked. So this is passport control and luggage now on the North Korean side. The reason it takes two hours is because it takes a long time to check everyone's passports and how they do this is what scares most people is basically the officers come on, the North Korean officers, they come on the train, they take your passports, they take your visas and then they go off with them and they register you and then an hour or two later they come back and in that time the other officers come on, the customs officers come on, and they start inspecting your luggage. This could be a very, very chilled out, um, you know, them kind of pretending to work, or it could be, a, you know, they're bored, so they want to just chat with you and see what kind of books you have, or it could be a very, very intense, they want to go through all of your luggage and you have to empty your whole suitcase out and show them everything kind of thing. So you should be prepared for all scenarios and I've gone through it on a different video, um, how strict is North Korea and the things that you can and can't bring in. Do not bring in anything that you can't take in, okay? There's no point risking it. If in doubt, ask. Or, you know, if you're worried about something, then just, just don't bring it. It's always best.
After that is over, you will then, the customs officers then get off the train. You will also be allowed to leave the train, but you cannot leave the train station. And this leaving the train is really only to stretch your legs because you can't really go anywhere. You also can't take... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Any pictures towards Sinuiju train station. You can take them off the train, however. Um, and there are also some North Korean dining cart ladies that kind of come down the train station and sell you products, sell you some like drinks and snacks and stuff like that. You can buy them if you want your first try of North Korean produce, I suppose. So it's a quick stretch of the legs onto the platform, but then it's quickly back on again once your passports come back to you. And finally, you can start your trip down into Pyongyang, which will take another few hours. You will probably get into Pyongyang at about 5 or 6 p.m., which is why I say that this journey takes 24 hours. Okay, so now it's time to take the plane. This is far less exciting and will be a much shorter little section because taking a plane is, believe it or not, just like taking a normal plane. <laughs> um, it always makes me laugh how in Beijing airport, you know, people are always asking me like, okay, Zoe, you know, how do we, how do we know which gate to go to? How do we know, um, you know, which terminal and stuff like that? And I'm like, it says it on the board. Like, <laughs> it just says to Pyongyang. It's, it's a normal flight. It's, um, it's not anything. It's not a crazy secret flight. It exists and it will say on the board which gate you need to go to. Um, <laughs> so uh, as with any flight, you do kind of, you just check in, you need to hand in your visas and then you go through passport control, customs, wait in the airport for a while and then you board the plane. It will take about two hours, I think, from memory from Beijing to Pyongyang and then once you land um, and then once you land you will be greeted by the passport control and customs. Um, the passport control here is pretty similar to what you get on the train and the customs as well. Although they do have uh, you know the machines that they put your baggage through in at the airport however they do not generally at the train station. So the benefits, you know, I, I kind of want to make this whole uh, podcast episode about which one you should get or kind of, you know, giving you some information and anecdotes so you can make up your own mind about which one is the one for you. Um, and so obviously 
let's start, you know, we're talking about planes, the benefits of getting the plane, obviously the main one is the speed and the comfort, right? Um, it takes way less time to get on the plane. Uh, it is just a couple of hours flight, although you do have to factor in getting to the airport and all that faffing around, waiting for the plane and stuff like that, just like you do in any other airport. But nevertheless, it definitely doesn't take the 24 hours that the train does. The other thing about the plane as well is that it's comfortable, you know, uh, you get your own seat and you don't have to worry about peeing into holes in the floor and it probably has toilet paper in the bathroom. Also, Beijing airport is really nice, so, you know, you get the comfort of Beijing airport and Pyongyang, Pyongyang airport equally is very beautiful, you get the comfort of that as well. It's useful if you're in a rush, um, you know, if you don't have much time. Um, it's also not tiring, you know, some people find the train journey very tiring because, you know, you are traveling for a day, um, so it can be a little bit much. You also get duty-free at an airport, so you can, you know, enjoy the, the duty-free. Alcohol and cigarettes, anything that else you want to get, like chocolates and stuff like that, gifts for the guides. Um, this is all available at the airport, just like any normal airport, although they did close the Starbucks in Terminal 2 in Beijing Airport. I was very sad when that happened. Can you imagine me waiting to get into the terminal um, and near the gate uh, only to find out that it closed? I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a simple woman sometimes. I need a Starbucks, especially just before tour. <laughs> the other big um, positive for the plane, and I think this is the main positive to be honest, I think this is the main reason why people want to get the plane, is because you will probably have the chance to fly Air Corio. Now there is another airline, Air China, they fly to North Korea as well and you might be on an Air China flight, however Air Corio is the main one and you know, we were chatting before about where you can get these things from, you know, the difference between Beijing and Dandong. Um, the normal flight, the main flight, is from Beijing. However, there are tons of places that actually fly into North Korea. Um, you can get the flight from Shenyang in China. Most of the places are in China, so like uh, Shanghai, Shenyang, um, a few other places uh, around the country. And then there's also some foreign places too that you can that you can get um, a flight into North Korea from from destinations throughout Southeast Asia. Although these are much more sporadic and often they get cancelled and stuff like that. So we don't usually book tours around these flights because they're not reliable. However, um, the Beijing flight um, and the other big city flights in China, they are reliable. So um, we can, we can, you know, we do book those. Air Corio is the one that you're usually going to be flying with and that's a, an experience in itself. They're infamous for being the world's worst airline and <laughs> I actually chat in um, episode 10, you're going to have to wait a couple of weeks for it, well, four weeks for it. Um, I chat with Greg about Air Corio in episode 10 and honestly, we I, I had in mind to have him on as a guest. Um, so Greg is a colleague of mine and a very good friend um, at Corio Tours. Um, and I had in mind to basically do like a transport um, uh, podcast where we chat all about the trams and the trolleybuses and the flights and stuff like that in North Korea. And in the end, we ended up just chatting for um, <laughs> over an hour, by the way, for over an hour about Air Corio <laughs> and getting a flight in. So if you are interested in Air Corio, then that will be... Um, 
that will be the podcast for you. They're known as the world's worst airline, they're definitely not, however they do have um, a famous uh, air choreo mystery meat burger that you can enjoy, they also give you an in-flight magazine, you can enjoy the in-flight safety demonstration, um, you know, it's one for the aviation geeks, um, they usually have older planes as well, so, you know, it's one that you can say that you've done. Obviously, upon entering North Korea, you can also see North Korea from the skies. Pretty cool experience, and Pyongyang Airport is a really nice airport, so, you know, at least you can say you've been there. Some negatives from the flight. So I would say the biggest negative from the flight is probably the cost. It costs a lot more, like um, a couple of hundred euros at least more. Um, and so for me, that's a big factor, um, but if money's not your problem, then obviously it's not a big factor for you, but that is um, one of the biggest um, downsides to getting the flight, the price. And I guess the other downside to getting the flight, which I'll talk about as a benefit of the train mainly, is that you won't have the experience of like, it's all a bit quick, you know, you are in Beijing and then two hours later you're in North Korea. And I think for a lot of people, they don't get this kind of slow experience where, you know, they'll have seen their first North Koreans in, in Dandong. Um, and then, you know, maybe they're kind of hanging out with them on the train, having some drinks, stuff like that. Um, and then they enter Pyongyang train station and it's a very lively, bustling train station and, you know, life is going on around them. And then, you know, um, it's all, it's a kind of really slow process that lets you soak it all in. However, if you get the flight, then you just kind of land there and it's all very sudden. And I think for a lot of people, it doesn't help the whole, like, is this all fake narrative? So I think that potentially is a downside, but, you know, for the sake of being less tired when you just start a really long tour, um, it's, you know, it, it is good to get the flight in as well. So, you know, positives and negatives. In terms of the train, the positives are that it is cheaper. I mean, like, the standard price um, usually includes your train ticket, so you won't have to add on anything like that. As I just mentioned with the flight, you know, it's it's all it's all a bit slower. It gives you time to soak it all in and really enjoy the experience. Um, you may uh, see North Koreans, you may be able to speak to North Koreans, especially maybe if you can speak Chinese or Korean, that'll be easier if you have Koreans in your carriage. Um, but sometimes language is not a barrier and all it takes is, um, is a pint of Taedonggang beer and some dried fish to break the ice with um, with maybe some some roommates that you might be sharing your carriage with. Um, a lot of the time they keep themselves to themselves and equally a lot of the time they are very happy to hang out with you and especially happy if you want to have some drinks and food with them. You know I've shared many a strange meal and um, many a glass of soju and beer on that train as you go into North Korea. So for me that's a really nice thing. You know it really breaks up the whole, um, is this all fake thing for people, even before you've even entered, um, even got off the train, because the, the North Korean people on the train are just so genuine, they're so nice, um, and, um, and yeah, you just, you just spend a few hours going through, um, the North Korean countryside, and I think people realize, oh, okay, you know, like, it would be pretty hard to fake, like, hours and hours of train journey, um, and and even the customs check and stuff like that, I, it sounds scary, it sounds terrifying, the passport and the customs thing. On the train, you know, these officers are bored as well, they, they, they're friendly, they're absolutely lovely, have a chat with them. Obviously, it's a very serious thing, I'm not saying to like mess around and stuff, but um, 
it's not a scary process and everyone's human and everyone does just want to um, be nice to each other and have a laugh and have a smile. So um, a lot of people find that the customs officers are very friendly and they're very funny. Um, they'll often joke about some books or something that you have. It's it's just a very nice human experience. Um, and so that's why I really like to take the train in, actually. Um, I don't know if you can hear in the tone that I'm speaking, but I mean, we'll get to it in the end what the conclusion is. But I, I do prefer to get the train in and it's largely for this reason. Um, I think it's really valuable. You can also try your first North Korean food as on the train, on the North Korean side, you will then have the dining cart as well. Just like in China you had a dining cart on the train, in North Korea you will also have a dining cart and that has North Korean food. And to be honest, the food is pretty decent there. If China travel is your thing as well, you also do have some time um, where you can spend in Dandong. So if you wanted that as a, as a bonus as well, you know, you can go down to the river in Dandong and you, like I said before, you can see the statue of Mao. So you get to experience another Chinese city, I guess. The bad bits of the train, obviously, it is slow. It's really slow. It's dirty. It can be really hot. It can be in winter even it can be really really it's never too cold don't worry about that but it, in winter it can be very very hot um especially if they turn the heating up in summer it's also very hot um it, it never gets too hot and sticky though in summer generally it's only winter that it gets ridiculously hot and you actually have to try and ask them beg them to open the windows especially on the north korea side um it can get really really sticky um it, it's slow. Um, yeah, again, it's slow. It's it's grimy. It's dirty. Um, I've taken sleeper trains uh, throughout various countries and I think um, it's definitely not the worst, but it's definitely not the best. Um, you get what you're paying for and you should be prepared for it. But, you know, it's, it's an experience. The, people are smoking in the hallways. Um, there's going to be a smell of alcohol. You're going to have to walk over people a little bit. It's all a bit crowded and cramped. But again, I love that. So if that doesn't sound like your thing, then you probably won't enjoy it. But if it sounds like something you can deal with or might be able to deal with, I'd say go for it. It's an experience and you probably won't get to do it again. So now I do want to mention, because we are talking about, you know, which one should you go for, you do actually have the option to take both. And now um, what most travel companies will give you is the option to either take the train in or take the plane in, or take the train out, or take the plane out. And that means you can either take the plane both ways, you can take the train both ways, or you can do vice versa for both ways. You could take the train in and plane out, or you could take the plane in and take the train out. <laughs> so I think, you know, if time and if money are of no, you know, big consideration to you, then you should try both. You know, why not? Try the train, try the plane, get two experiences. Personally, now, this is my personal opinion. I think, based on everything that I've just said above, my preference, now my preference, is to get the train in and the plane out. And that's because going in, it's really slow, it's really nice, really chill, prepares everyone, um, and I don't find the train too tiring. And that, But I do find being on tour very tiring. So I'm happy to get the plane back and just get back to civilization as quick as possible. Now, some people prefer it the opposite way because they don't like to be tired from the train journey. They like to be awake for the first day of tour. So they like to get the plane in and then get the train out as a closing experience. If you do just want to get the plane both ways, um, obviously, you know, that's good if you are in for a rush and also don't want to 
you know, slum it on the trains. Um, and if you want to be a bit cheaper, then of course you can get the train both ways. It's really nice and to be honest, you're not missing too much on the flight because after all, it is just a flight. Um, and the main thing that separates it from it all is the fact that it's air choreo. So in reality, whether you should take the train or plane or whatever combination you want, all depends on your preferences and what you need, like your requirements. So I did mention that there are other methods to get into North Korea aside from just getting the train or plane from Beijing or other places in China, with, you know, the main two methods being the train from Beijing or the flight from Beijing. The first one is getting to Dasan, and for this you do actually take a bus over into North Korea technically. You first have to get to Yanji in China, which is right, right, right up northeast. And from here, you'll then basically take transport to the border. You'll walk through the border facility and then you get onto the bus, which you actually have to pay for, I think, from memory, which then takes you literally over the border after the passport check. And now this is only to get to one specific place in North Korea called Rason, again, in the northeast. It's famous for being the special economic zone of North Korea and is a very interesting place. It's also one of the few places in North Korea, one of the only places really, um, that you can get the North Korean passport stamp into your passport, otherwise they stamp your visa usually. It also happens to be the first place I ever visited in North Korea, which I do chat about in episode 2 if you want to go back to that one. Um, very interesting place. Um, and from here you can then go down into Pyongyang. I'm going to talk about internal flights and the internal train journeys and stuff like that in a minute because I do also want to mention that there is a way to get into North Korea on the train from Russia. Um, there's actually a way to get all the way down the country um, on this train from Russia, but yes, you can enter into North Korea from the Russian border on the train as well. So if you are a train or plane fanatic or if you want to travel North Korea in style or indeed to the various um, more remote provinces, then of course you can take a train or plane. I did again in the episode that I talked to Greg, um, wanted I, I wanted to speak to him about getting an internal train in North Korea because he has done like the whole of the country. Um, also, um, Koryo Tours' general manager, Simon, he's a big train buff on the trains in North Korea. I have not done many internal trains in North Korea, so I don't want to pretend I know much about it. Maybe I can get Greg back for another episode, but basically getting the train in North Korea is much like getting the train in any country. Um, you can um, go through a lot of places, but the train can be very slow, very unreliable, and it probably won't show up or depart on time. So it's generally not a thing that most tour companies will create like a group tour for just because of the unreliable um, aspects of it. Um, and especially if people are on tight schedules, stuff like that. But it is definitely something that um, courier tours can put together in terms of a independent tour, like, um, you know, your own private tour, something like that as long as you know you're aware that things may be a bit slower. In terms of flights across the country I've actually taken two internal flights um, both to the northeast um, or northern areas one to Mount Pekdu and one to Chongjin so Samjion and Chongjin um, and those are internal flights with Air Corio. Um, I do speak about these a little bit with Greg, so I don't want to go into too much detail, but basically there are two different types of flights you can get. You can get like a normal flight that's like, you know, it's a scheduled flight, or you can charter a flight. 
And for these group tours, we actually charter a flight just to make sure that we get the tickets and to make sure that the flight will actually take off and, and leave and get everyone there safely. Um, so we do charter these flights, um, but it is possible to get on a normal train in North Korea, uh, a normal plane in North Korea as a normal passenger as well. Um, it just may be that there's no tickets left and stuff like that. So it's, it's a bit tricky. So internal flights and internal trains in the country are not the easiest things to plan, but they're certainly possible, um, you know, even for foreigners. Obviously, our main mode of transport when we are in North Korea is the bus, which, you know, will take us northeast, south and west. Um, not too north, but it definitely takes us all the way down to Kaesong. It takes us west to um, Nampo and it takes us east as well to Wonsan, Hamhung, all those areas. You might just get a free massage on some of the bumpy roads, though. <laughs> And just before we end this episode, I've got two more things I want to discuss with you. One is I promised if we had time, I would talk about how to prepare for the train. So I want to chat a little bit about that. And lastly, I will answer some of your questions that you have sent into the podcast. So firstly, how to prepare for the train? Well, in my bag, I always have these things. Toilet roll. Very, very important. You can never have enough toilet roll. Wet wipes because they work um, in the toilet as well as um, they work as a, as a little shower. If I've, I've become very, very adept at, um, at showering without water. <laughs> it's, um, it's necessary when you spend so much time on these trains. I also then always bring toiletries with me like you would normally, like things like little bits of makeup. Um, I always wear a lot of makeup in North Korea because the ladies, they just dress up so nicely and yeah, I just want to get on board with that. Um, I take a toothbrush, toothpaste, um, some things that you might not think about are slippers, like train slippers, so I always have, like, I don't want to wear, like, big boots or something like that, or, like, high heels on the train, so I always bring train slippers that I can wear throughout the train. I always bring money, um, you always need to bring money into North Korea anyway because they don't have ATMs, I'll speak about that on a different episode, but definitely need to bring money, um, also for the dining cart. You may want to bring your own food with you as well, I, you know, generally always bring a pot noodle just because there's hot water on the train and I don't know how hungry I'm going to get, so I do always bring that with me. Um, some bits of breakfasty stuff, although you will have the opportunity in Dandong to get off. I like to eat, um, as soon as I wake up, so, and I don't like ordering from the woman who screams down the hallway, and stuff like that. Oh my gosh, I can still hear her every time. Um, you can go to the breakfast cart, but I've never been there for breakfast. I don't know what it's like. Anyway, I prefer to bring my own stuff for breakfast. So I bring like some kind of sandwich, something like that. And I always, always, always bring um, like a, 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 a cup that I can fill a mug with hot water. So you can make ho coffee in the morning. You can make um, tea at night or in the morning. You know, you can just drink some hot water, whatever you want. Um, it's vital uh, for me, at least anyway. As a British person, I need my tea. <laughs> the other things I bring are, I've, I've given up bringing, I always bring a change of clothes. I've given up bringing pajamas. I don't do that. I sleep in the clothes that I am wearing and then the next day I will change my clothes. So I always bring a change of clothes. I think importantly on the train, like you don't want to be messing around with your luggage all the time. So like bring your luggage and then a train bag and make sure that everything that you might need on the train is in your train bag, not in your luggage. This is just my tip. Obviously it's up to you what you actually want to do because you have your luggage with you at all times. Um, power banks are an absolute must because 
the train may have plug sockets, but don't count on it. It probably won't. And if it does, then you've got to contend with the other 100 people on the carriage that are all trying to use the five plug sockets that are on there as well. Um, and also they charge very slowly. So just be aware that you might not have anywhere to charge your phone. Make sure you have a power bank. And despite the fact that the train is very long, you probably won't be as bored as you think. Don't worry about bringing all your books and stuff like that. But I do like to download um, some music, some podcasts, as well as movies, films um, to watch in bed. Make sure to bring some headphones, um, some earplugs and um, an eye mask if you are sensitive to that kind of thing. And if you're a light sleeper, then you'll definitely want some ear, ear, um, earplugs because you don't know if the person next to you or underneath you is going to be a snorer. And man, that's annoying. <laughs> when, Especially annoying when it's the person on the other end of the carriage that is snoring so loudly that you can still hear them. Not great. I always like to bring um, a couple of bottles of water as well, cold water, because there's no cold water on the train, there is only hot water. And, of course, you may want to bring any snacks, beers, drinks, and stuff like that. Anything else that, you know, can just help you pass by the time. Maybe a game of cards, if you're into that kind of thing. So, that is my packing list. If I have forgotten anything, I'm going to add it in the show notes. So, make sure to check them. But I think, I think that's everything that's usually in my train bag. Yeah. So... For the last section of this podcast, let me go over some questions that you guys have been sending in to the podcast email address, and that is zoediscovers at gmail.com. Please do continue to send in your questions, send in your feedback. I've had some really lovely feedback. I, I know I say this every week, but I just really appreciate it. So keep sending that on in. And if you have any questions, contact me on either Instagram or Gmail, because those are the main two that I will check. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok, but I probably won't answer those comments, so sorry about that. So, the first one is an easy question. How much is it to send a postcard to the D from the DPRK? Um, this is an easy question, but also it's quite hard to answer it exactly, because um, I can't remember. But I think, honestly, I think it's about euro, um, give or take, but it's that cheap. Um, it's not expensive to send a postcard from the DPRK. It's about the same price as, to be honest, anywhere in the world. And it doesn't differ on where you're sending it. You can't send them to South Korea. You can send them everywhere else. And it doesn't differ uh, the price. It's just international postage. It's not that expensive, but it can take around three months. <laughs> I think my first one arrived after three months. It can be a lot quicker after like two weeks. So, you know, look at the draw. <laughs> Second question is a little bit harder, <laughs> um, but I'm going to try and answer it anyway. Um, as as non-sarcastically as possible. What do Korean people do in their free time? Uh, so, firstly, I do just want to get this over and done with and say, like, you know, North Korean people are, like, normal people. Um, they have varying hobbies and they do various things. Um, th there's so many things. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, normal North Korean people do. In their free time, um, they like to enjoy sports, they enjoy games, um, you know, even something as mundane as playing on your mobile phone games and stuff like that. Um, they don't have an awful lot of free time, I have to say. Um, they're very busy either working or they have, like, work commitments outside of work or college and school and stuff like that, um, various meetings that they might have to go to within their community. So, you know, there's not an awful lot of time for free time, um, but in their free time, they'll do the same things that we do. 
to be honest. Hang out with friends, go bowling, listen to music, um, go to a cafe, go to a spa and play volleyball. They love to play volleyball. I'm going to talk about sports a different episode, but yeah, they love to play volleyball. Um, Honestly, yeah, just all the same kind of things that we do. But I think typical sports, at least, are volleyball. And I know that um, most of them on their time off, they are so tired that they just like to chill. And I'm talking about the guides here, right? Their jobs are full on. And so, you know, if I ask them what they do on the day off, they're literally just like sat at home and watch TV. <laughs> Sound familiar? Right. The last question um, is a little bit more tricky. Um, I'm going to try and answer it super quickly, though. Do you believe Western media is too harsh on the DPRK? I talk about the media a lot and I talk about it being a reason as to why I didn't, uh, you know, why I wanted to go to the DPRK in the first place. Um, And I'm also, you know, I'm doing like my PhD on it pretty much. Um, I did my master's on it. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I obviously do talk about it a lot, which is why you guys are asking. Um, I think that uh, to a certain extent, the Western media is too harsh on the DPRK, but my main beef with the media is not that it's too harsh, but that it it only shows a very one-sided um, depiction of the DPRK, whereas there is so much more to the country than just nuclear weapons and uh, dictators and prison camps and stuff like that. Like, there's so much more to the country. Um, And so I feel that it would be nice to have different aspects represented or at least not so sensationalized all the time. Um, I don't think that it it helps at all in terms of, um, you know, dealing with North Korea on a a political scale and stuff like that. So um, I... Whilst I wouldn't say that it's necessarily too harsh, I don't say that, you know, obviously there is a lot of fake news out about North Korea, but my main main thing is not that I'm annoyed about all the fake news out there, like, that is annoying, but it's just that there's just this, pol- like, just this one-sided, like, frame of North Korea, and, like, it's a, everyone has this polarised view beca- of North Korea because of this, how the media represents it, and I think, um, yeah, that view is is... It's, it's not fair to show North Korea just in this one-sided light when there's, yeah, there's so much more to the country. There's the people, the culture, the history, and, you know, the food. There's a lot more to it, and I hope that, um, you know, with time people can come to discover more about it. And speaking of discoveries of North Korea, um, this is what I hope to do with this podcast, you know, discover North Korea. I'm going to talk about the things that might not be represented in the news. Um, Aside from politics, don't really get onto speaking about politics, but you know, that's because that's covered in the news anyway. So, and then the media. So here you'll find um, things that aren't necessarily in the media. That's what I try and do with this Discover North Korea podcast. And that's what I try and do with all my social media, Zoe Discovers and Zoe Discovers NK. And on that note, I am going to love you guys and leave you. Um, Thank you so much for joining me on episode six of this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed all the episodes so far. And I hope that you come back next time for more. Do remember to like, subscribe, download, do all the things. Um, Message me on zoediscovers at gmail.com and contact me on any of my social media, zoediscovers or zoediscoversnk. And I will hear from you. See you next week. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.